How's it going, guys? It's time for another edition of Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff, presented to you by Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows.com. I'm John Alba, and not only are Eric and I joined by a very special guest this week, but we are going to talk all things um, business-oriented with uh, one of the most successful wrestling websites in the world and, and dig a little more into an area that we probably haven't gotten too much into. Eric Bischoff. How are you, my friend? We are joined by Raj Geary, the editorial strategist for Wrestling Inc. today. This is going to be a great one. Raj, what's going on, man? How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, great to see you. Great to see you again. Eric, how are things treating you this week? I, I, I'm well. I'm, I'm kicking out of this crud that I caught about a week ago. My wife's got it now, so that's, you know, at least she knows yeah. how I feel. <laughs> or how I felt. She never gets sick. She like never, ever, ever gets sick, and I rarely do. But that crud put me flat on my back. I've been living off of uh, Sudafed and uh, hot tea for the last three days. But I'm, I'm, I'm kicking out. I'm feeling almost back to myself. Nice. We. It's laid- funny. Last year, last year on the podcast, I was, I said like how I never get sick. I hadn't been sick in like 15 years, and that weekend I got COVID. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, no. Well, we're glad that you're all right, Eric. Glad to hear you're doing better. Eric and I had you covered, guys, if you were not paying attention this past week. Two episodes of Strictly Business, including a breaking news podcast about all the Vince McMahon news. Uh, It is our biggest episode to date. If you haven't checked it out yet, 83weeks.com. Make sure you're subscribed in the archives. Eric, before we get into our interview here with Raj, is there anything you want to bow tie on the Vince McMahon situation that you didn't get to on Strictly Business or 83 Weeks? No, my gosh, between, you know, those two podcasts, uh, I think I'm talked out about that subject and we just don't know anymore, right? I think the only thing that I noticed uh, yesterday and, and even today is uh, going into the weekend, there was a lot of conversation about, hey, is Vince going to show up in the office Monday morning? Is he going to show up at TV Monday night? You know, people were waiting to see if that there was going to be any kind of indication that, you know, Vince was going to kind of come back and go back to, you know, the way things were before all this craziness. And uh, that didn't happen. He didn't, From what I've read, or what I haven't read, I should say, uh, doesn't appear as though Vince McMahon uh, made any spectacular reappearances at the offices on Monday, nor did he show up at TV to the best of my knowledge. So there you go. Raj, I want to ping you on this because I know you've been very interested in the business ramifications of all of this. I've been following your Twitter account at the Raj Geary uh, pretty closely. And and I know the sales side of things have really interested you. Do you have any thoughts uh, in the days that have since passed on what the direction may be here? Um. I mean, it's just everything has been so unpredictable with this. I mean, Vince retired, what, like six months ago (laughs) and he's back. So it's just impossible to say where this is going to go. Obviously, you would think it makes all the sense in the world for Comcast to purchase WWE, especially with the media rights coming up, Uh, you know, between SmackDown and Raw already. It's a half a billion dollars plus Peacock is another $200 million a year. So that's 700 without increases. So with increases, that would probably cost him about. Uh, you know, close to a billion anyway, or, um, you know, between those three properties, not to, not, not to mention NXT, which is a, a small piece of the puzzle, but um, so, yeah, it just makes, it just makes all the sense for Comcast to purchase it. Cause the WWE's market cap is six and a half billion dollars right now, but you know, if they, if they, if they spent 7 billion, let's say on it, um, and they were going to be spending a billion on media rights anyway, you know, you're, you're recouping that in seven years, 
but also you can add other WWE programming and, and do other things. So it just, uh, that one just makes all the sense in the world. Raj, you, you, you're an entrepreneur and we're going to learn a lot more about you and, and, and I'm going to learn a lot more about you, but clearly you're, you're a very successful entrepreneur businessman and you probably have a better perspective perhaps on a potential sale or acquisition than, than I do in many respects. But I want to ask you, you know, you talk about Comcast. Is there any other, aside from recouping the investment over the course of seven or eight years, whatever that ends up being, is there any other strategic value in controlling and owning a property like WWE beyond just the potential revenue upside? Well, it has it has a built-in audience, but um, Eric, I think as you've seen um, uh, over over the years, and, and when you were running WCW, a lot of times that wrestling audience, you can promote something else to that wrestling audience, but they, but they won't follow. I always remember that Nitro, where the end of the giant Hulk Hogan match went through Robin Hood, and that Robin Hood did a gigantic rating, and then it it, it faded away after that. You know, those wrestling fans didn't stick with it, so. I just think with sports media rights going up and up and up, uh, at some point, you got to think with streaming coming in, it's got to hit a plateau. People have been saying that for decades, but just right. And I think that's why right now it's such a great time to look at a sale because you're starting to see your Warner Brothers discovery really cutting back. And, and you're starting to see the warning signs of people saying we're paying too much for content. Uh, we're paying too much for media rights. And so it seems strategically like the perfect time for them to uh, look at a sale and for a media, you know, a media company like NBC, that's just paying so much for it to finally own the property. And then they could spin it off and do reality shows. And, and you, you know, one of the things you look at every week and when you talk about how great wrestling is doing on cable, you also got to look at the, the competition on cable. There's more cable channels than ever, but, no longer are companies putting their big shows on cable. You know, Yellowstone kind of came before everyone was moving to streaming, but all the Yellowstone spinoffs, 1883, 1923, they're all moving to streaming. And House of the Dragon and, you know, all these other shows, they're all, it's streaming is where the focus is at. So cable just keeps getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Um, and so it's, cable is basically just Fox News, football, sports, and, and wrestling right now. And again, and I'm digging here because I'm, I'm venturing into a, 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 an area that I don't know a lot about, but I, I read today that Liberty Media may also be um, in, in the hunt, so to speak. But when it comes to negotiating, a, a company like Comcast controls a lot of cable outlets, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they probably control more cable, local cable outlets than just about anybody in the country. Does having this, does having WWE or another extremely popular uh, brand like WWE, having that under your roof, does that give you leverage in negotiating going forward in terms of cable, cable fees? Well, I, I would think so. I mean, in, in general, Comcast right now, NBCU, um, you know, uh, with media rights deals already, they have, you know, the right of refusal. I mean, the right to match an offer if they're, if, you know, if they get another media rights offer for Raw. And um, I, I think it's, it, WWE is such an important part to their their library that um, that they're going to want to, 
you know, match any offer that's made to the company. Uh, as far as Liberty Media, you know, I saw that CNBC article that lists listed, you know, pretend potential suitors for the company. And it's basically it's basically any company that can afford it, any media company that can afford it. Yeah. And you could see like, you know, the advantages that Disney would have by having, you know, WWE under their umbrella. Um, you know, FX averages, you know, 450,000, something like that in prime time. And that's what USA Network averages without WWE programming. So you move WWE to FX, which is owned by Disney now. Uh, all of a sudden, they're beating you. You're USA. number one. You're number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, you're up there. So it, it makes a big difference to that portfolio, depending on how much they're looking at cable, keeping keeping FX strong. FX is getting the XFL next year uh, or this year. So, um, but that see, I didn't even think about that, man. That's a that's another kind of good fit. If you're programming a network and you're looking at your audience and going, okay, who's in large, who's, who are our audience? And you're going to take a run at XFL, particularly because of the association with Dwayne Johnson, obviously. Right. Um, I mean, that's a brand coming out of the shoot with, with rock attached to it. And I'm sure he's going to be a big part of the promotion of it. Um, yeah. That also makes it, that makes Fox a lot more interesting mm-hmm. than I thought before we sat down with you. So from that perspective, <laughs> that is going to be a story that we're going to be following for months here on strictly business. Hey, real quick. want to give a shout out to James up in Stoneville, North Carolina. He's a friend of the show. Hell, he's a friend of the family. Now we were able to go ahead and help his family recently save more than $1,200 a month. Really think about this. My man, Robbie didn't save $1,200 one time. He's going to save it each and every month, all because he went to save with Conrad.com. He left us a five-star review earlier this week. And he said this from the first phone call with Christian, all the hard work Diane put in Jennifer taking time to explain things and help me understand where we were at with the deal right up to Steve, helping me get this survey through nothing but professionalism all around dealing with first family has helped us to the point. We've cut $1,200 a month off our bills. I can't say enough about the team Conrad has assembled. I highly recommend first family to anyone looking to purchase or refinance their home. Thanks to Conrad and the entire first family team. No, thank you, James, for the great review and congratulations on saving 1200 bucks a month. And oh, by the way, you can skip your next two house payments. It's real folks. Save with Conrad.com can help you. We're licensed in more than 40 States, but if you've got credit card debt, if you're looking to save money on your monthly payments, if you're looking to pay your house off faster or even buy a house with no money down, save with Conrad.com is your hookup. Holler. If you hear me, that's save with Conrad.com NMLS number six, five, zero, eight, four equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, you don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. What are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save for free at save with Conrad.com. And, I, and I'm sure Eric, we will get to talk to it, talk to others about it at length. Uh, in the ensuing weeks. But Raj, we really wanted to bring you on because a few weeks back, we did a series on the editorial side of wrestling news sites. And you obviously have editorial experience, but what has really captivated me about you, and I know that Wrestling Inc. is one of Eric's favorite wrestling websites, is that you are so skilled in the business side of the operations. And you got into the game very early on before the big boom of the wrestling site. So we would love to pick your brain about how you were able to navigate that space and leverage wrestling website success into other uh, ventures for yourself as well. And we're so appreciative that you joined us here on Strictly Business. So let's turn back the clock or so to the mid nineties. I know you'd been a wrestling fan for a long time. 
where does the idea for wrestling Inc come about for you, Raj? So actually I was at this engineering college here in Colorado. It's called the Colorado school of mines. And, um, a couple of years in, I was like, God, I, I just hate this. I hate engineering. But the problem was I didn't like anything else. And I was a big wrestling fan from basically 87 to, to 93. I was like hardcore, you know, watching everything, buying all the pay-per-views. And then it faded away. And Eric, I got, I have you to thank for it. Once Nitro started, you know, in, in late 95, then my interest started peaking. And then I was back in, you know, early 96 when the NWO started I was fully in and uh, I just got so interested. So I was like, I need to move away from engineering. I'm, I'm buying a computer. This internet stuff is starting to take off. I want to learn how to make a website. And so I needed a topic. I picked wrestling. And so um, I just went to this, uh, this company called GeoCities that they gave out free websites. And so I picked a, you know, picked a, a create an account, picked a name and, it was called the wrestling gazette and i basically was just posting my opinions on nitro and raw and uh and then it just took off i remember the first day i had like eight visitors and i was like oh my gosh eight people just saw what i wrote (laughs) and i just got hooked and i never thought this would become uh you know a full-time job or anything i could make a living off of but i was like this was so much fun and i just got more and more into it 1997 it got big enough that i got its own domain name moved it to wrestlinginc.com and yeah the rest was history and and i used the stuff i was doing with wrestling inc to start other websites and and other companies and you know tell us about that tell us about that how did you how did you do that yeah walk us through that man sure so um my first job out of college in 98 you know they Having Colorado School of Mines, it's a really good engineering school on the resume was great, but they saw the Wrestling Inc. and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, (laughs) you built this. And so I was hired immediately. I met a guy who actually is not of Indian descent, but we started a site called IndianDating.com because at the time uh, I was born here and uh, in the U.S. and a lot of uh, the websites out there for uh, Indian singles were based around like marriage. And most of the people I knew, you know, they, they weren't looking for marriage right off the bat or, you know, looking for it eventually. Uh, and so I was like, ah, this would be a great site. You know, they, there wasn't really nothing like it at that time. So we started the site called IndianDating.com. And can, can I, add, you, I'm sorry, I, don't, I hate being interrupted and I hate no, interrupting others, but you, such interesting points here. When you, when you and your friends said, okay, let's, come up with an Indian dating site, not necessarily for people that are interested in marriage, but for casual dating. Um, were you targeting Indians such as yourself, members of the Indian community such as yourself that were really born in the United States, had more of a, a U.S. kind of culture that influenced them throughout their lives, um, as opposed to the traditional um, Indian culture who may, exactly. may not be comfortable with what we do here in the country? Exactly. Yeah, we were targeting um, U.S., U.K., Canada, and then the, the metro areas of India. So, um, but then also it was open. You know, we had lots of uh, non-Indians on the site. And uh, oh yeah, I, I created that graphic. <laughs> Look at that! Wow, yeah. doesn't get much more '90s than that, Raj. Look at that! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, whoa, that's a blast from the past. But yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, that was uh, something that 
you know, wrestling Inc. was started as just a hobby and this was started as a business and uh, it took off. And, uh, and how did I you used... leverage one into the other, Raj? So I would actually run ads on wrestling, on wrestling Inc. when the site started. So actually, you know, the first thousands or so members, the majority were not of Indian descent. So, which was, you know, great. We started uh, doing a bunch of uh, singles events and stuff where, you know, a good majority were not, but um yeah, so uh, I kind of used Wrestling Inc. to leverage that into IndianDating.com. When I started Fightline.com, I used, again, I used Wrestling Inc. that, you know, MMA and pro wrestling kind of have a very similar audience. And and that really got Fightline to take off. So, uh, but yeah, the, the Indian Dating, it was a completely different mindset running that than, than Wrestling Inc. But re- I, don't, I don't know if it would have gotten off the ground without it. Yeah, it's so fascinating because... And I'm going to go into the weeds just a little bit here. But if you read any of the biographies about Ted Turner, and there was one in particular, I wish I could re- remember the name of the book, but I think it was maybe one of the first books about Ted Turner because I wrote it while I read it. Well, I said I wrote it. I read it while I was working for him. And in that book, um, there's a portion of it that describes why Ted Turner was such an advocate for professional wrestling with regard to building his network. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, you know, the TBS programming grid from back in the early days, you know, it's a lot of Andy Mayberry and Beverly Hillbillies and, you know, down to the, the down to reach a lot of just old stuff that Ted was able to license for very, very little money, if any, because nobody really saw any value in it back then. Um, but Ted believed firmly that in addition to that, because you have to program, you got to 24 hours a day, you've got to program it with something. But Ted believed, according to this book, that wrestling and the wrestling audience in particular was dependable, was consistent, and was a lot larger than most people thought it was. And Ted believed, and yes, he was a wrestling fan, I think, a casual wrestling fan, I guess, if you put him in a box. But Ted saw the opportunity because the wrestling audience was so loyal and so unique that you could build off of that audience, Mm -hmm. similar to what you guys did. You used the wrestling audience to build an entire different business model, but it you leveraged that the strength of that audience and your relationship with them to do that. And if you take that to the next level of thought, that kind of, brings me back to the question about Comcast or Liberty Media. And yes, it's, I can tell you for certain, because I was involved in that Robin Hood fiasco. And there has been others, by the way, that wasn't the only one. There were other times when, you know, Brad Siegel and TNT really put a lot of thought and effort and time and money behind trying to build a lead in that would be complementary to Nitro and a lead out. And almost all of them failed. But the fact that you've got, two or three million or in the course of TNT back then, you got six, seven, eight million viewers every week. That base of audience allows you to promote other, maybe not something that people will watch, but you can promote other things too. And that's what you guys did, man. You and Ted thinking along the same lines. I love that. And also the UFC. I mean, where would they be if the ultimate fighter didn't start right after raw and that they had to get Vince McMahon's permission for that. But that first season of ultimate fighter, which really kicked off the UFC uh, that was because it aired right after Raw. That's how I became a fan. I got into the Josh Koscheck, Chris Lieben drama, and uh, and 
the rest is history. So UFC own, you know, owes a huge uh, portion of their success to Raw being their lead in early on. Now that was that on Spike, was that on TNN or was that on USA? Uh, that was on Spike. On Spike, okay. I cool. sorry I, to interrupt, you, man. <laughs> no, seriously though, Raj, the the whole Indian dating stuff. I I, I want to know what you learned from that experience, and how and if you could provide some background info for those who may not be familiar as well. How long did you own that? What did you learn from running that that helped you to run Wrestling Inc. better? So I we we ran so I ran it for twelve years before we sold it to Cupid, and. Um, What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Gosh, it was <laughs> one thing I learned is I, I, I had taken too much on in a lot of ways because I'm, you know, we would do these singles events all around the country. So we'd fly to New York and they would all sell out. So we'd go to New York, do three events. And then that Sunday night's a pay-per-view. So I'm like, you know, leaving an event and then, you know, making sure everything on the site is is covering a paper, you know, a, a WWE pay-per-view or impact or, or whatever it was that night. And uh, it, it was it was handling a lot and, and it's two different mindsets because Indian dating, it's, it's, it's relationships and it's, it's, you know, there's a, uh, it's subscriptions, whereas wrestling Inc was all advertising based and, and there were no subscriptions. So it's putting on different hats and, and, and switching them off on and off, uh, constantly. But, um, you just, it's two different, uh, two different, complete different businesses. And, I learned things from Indian dating. Like I wish I would have gotten more aggressive. Uh, you know, we hit close to a million subscribers, but uh, wow. we we didn't take any investor money. We weren't. Uh, you know, we kind of stayed just using our own profits uh, to, to build a brand and everything. And and it, and it did really well. But I think it could have gotten to the next level if we would have been more aggressive. And I got more aggressive. There, that's the better design. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at a later design. Um, or maybe an earlier design, but it's actually me and my wife that uh, the girlfriend at the time that were on there. But um, yeah, just just get, getting more aggressive. Uh, don't just sit on your laurels and and just keep pushing and pushing. And and with wrestling, Inc., once I sold into dating, I was, you know, it was you know my my foot fully on the pedal. So, at some point, did you guys were you sitting down and you know having a cocktail? talking about business, maybe over dinner and say, Hey, this Indian dating site, man, we've, we're having a lot of success with this. We launched it off a wrestling website. Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here. And I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. We kick off 2023 by going back to 1983 and the debut of the NWA U.S. Heavyweight Championship, commonly referred to as the 10 Pounds of Silver. 
on an all-new edition of Title Chase. Overtime has just kind of worn out, and then uh, Magnum TA told me himself that he finally just polished some of the rest of it out because it just had some just some little bit in the corners or whatever that uh, had hung on, and so he just finished the job. Our book series continues, and this time we turn to Jim Crockett Promotions. Conrad and David Crockett dive into Jim Crockett Jr.'s handwritten booking logs from January 1985. So tell us exactly what we're looking at here, the red books. All right, the red books, I have to tell you, are basically, and I'll hold one up. This is a calendar for a book for 1985. All right, in it, I'm just going to turn full page. Handwritten, uh, the matches, and also the gross of the city, towns that we're in, the matchups. And this is the Bible. It was started with my father. On January 24th, Ad-Free Shows is bringing you another premium watch-along event as we celebrate the 35-year anniversary of the very first Royal Rumble. And we're watching it live with the winner of that historic match, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, hey, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan from the golden age of wrestling. And I'm celebrating the 35th anniversary of my win in the first ever Royal Rumble by watching this Royal Rumble on adfreeshows.com. Join me January 24th at 9 p.m. adfreeshows.com. Tough guy, first ever winner. Ho! That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you with four levels to choose from. Four. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now, right now, at adfreeshows.com. Yeah. Let's come up with a wrestling dating site. Because <laughs> I can tell you that that would probably... The only problem with it is it would only be about... You know, 4% secular, women. It, it, would, it would be the biggest testicle festival in, in America, but it had to yeah. cross your mind. Yeah, it would be like, you know, women get free accounts. You just charge men, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, like a strip club. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Eric, don't give away the good ideas for free. <laughs> I know, we'll wow, have to talk we're offline. we the world on this podcast. Come on, man. I mean, niche dating sites is where it's at, right? Farmers yeah. only. Uh, yeah, I get Matt, uh, mattmatches.com. Matt Farmers Matt. only. That's the one like, you know, this is embarrassing to say, but like I'm fascinated by things, you know, like new, you know, online, you know, business models, you know, Indian dating. You know, had I stumbled across it back then, I would have probably had to, you know, come up with a fake name and stuff and just because <laughs> I like to see how they work. You know, I like to, I like to understand not only how they work from a functional point of view as a website or an app, but the psychology behind it is what I find fascinating. You know, I remember Nick Hausman, you know, Nick, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nick and I, about six years ago, seven years ago, I I had the idea, brought Nick into it. And the idea was to create a a website. It was like IRW, whatever it was called, independent or IWR, whatever. It was a website, though, that and we were going to aggregate independent wrestling, you know, guys that produce their shows for their local market. But they, you know, they produced them and we're going to, you know, kind of just build aggregate all that and have like the largest independent wrestling 
you know, single point of purchase, I guess, if you will, uh, or stream. And somewhere along the line, Nick Hausman said, and he goes, Eric, you know, this basic model, there's a lot of girls out there that would you know, probably enjoy the freedom and the flexibility and the safety and all the, you know, that goes along with what became OnlyFans. Nick didn't know it at the time, but he was describing OnlyFans. Right. And now you look at that phenomenon and, you know, we're here about, uh, you know, Mandy Rose and a million dollars over two and a half months. And it's just like, so there's a lot of stuff out there. So if I throw out a wrestling dating site, you know, to you, (laughs) I'm I'm only half kidding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, again, uh, hey, it's um, is is available for purchase there. So there you go. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) And you could do the same thing. You know, you get a lot of Thompson. You guys could follow around. You could have it, and everybody would meet at Starcast. I've seen a little bit of, (laughs) I've seen a little motion in the ocean going on out there in the crowd. You know, it's you know what we did with with the Indian dating events is you know we limited it to it would be like you know sixty guys and sixty girls so you're not uh, so you're proportionate so you do that the same with mat matches it doesn't matter if it's mostly men or women on the site as long as these singles events you keep it keep it even so hey I think well, you're we, onto something we've got two days before <laughs> this thing drops so expect, expect to get a call, no let's get, get that domain Conrad, expect to get a call from Conrad Thompson twenty minutes after the show drops. <laughs> Yeah, doing those singles events at Starcast, that'd be huge. You got got me thinking now. (laughs) Well, so I still have all the code too. (laughs) No startup expense. (laughs) It is it is 13 years old, but (laughs) so the events aspect of that is very interesting though. You you had these meetup events with Indian Mm -hmm. dating. Did you ever think about how that kind of format could translate into a wrestling website and holding wrestling exclusive events, which is obviously something we know became a big thing, as Eric just mentioned, StarCast being one of them. But even I see like Post Wrestling just did a five-year anniversary for just their biggest fans and subscribers and stuff like that. Was that ever part of the business model in your mind for re- in the earlier days of Wrestling Inc.? Uh, not not necessarily. I, I did think about having, you know, wrestlers like Sanjay Dutt, you know, coming and appearing and just uh, and doing uh, – you know, just saying hi at the events and, you know, doing photo ops. But I, I, one thing I realized, you know, at these events is how few were wrestling fans, you know, I would tell them my other job and they, they, they didn't really follow it or they would know, you know, Goldberg and Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, in the two thousands, they were no longer uh, following the current product. And um, so they, they you know, once once Indian dating start, took off, there there just really wasn't much synergy between the two. They were completely different. I don't know. This is the last pitch I'm making here, brother. I just thought about it. <laughs> and if I go through to like my my followers, like every hot chick that ever you know retweets me or whatever likes something. It's always some chick with an OnlyFans is trying to trying to suck her right. in. You know what I mean? And I, every once in a while, I look at my followers and go, "Wow, I got some really hot followers here." But there might be some real. I know I do have some followers that are very attractive single women. So I'm just telling you, if you want to do some yeah. research, I'll 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 show you my uh, follower list. And, and there have <laughs> been some wrestlers, formula. <laughs> right? And there have been some wrestlers on some of those other dating sites. In the truly, so, you know, I. When I lived in Orlando and I'm on the, the, the apps and I'm swiping the amount of pro wrestlers, including WWE signed pro wrestlers, I would see on dating apps. Right. Pretty <laughs> surreal. So you never know. You never know. Now, Eric, hypothetically speaking, if I wanted to pitch 
a dating app for people who are fans of the best crab cakes in the world. Well, who would we be talking about? Oh, we'd be talking about we we'd have to we'd have to go in. There'd be some kind of a strategic partnership. Maybe we could get Raj involved to help you know create that deal. But there would have to be some kind of a deal between us and Jimmy's Seafoods because there is no better seafood in the world than Jimmy's famous, I mean, effing famous seafood. And the beauty is you can go to jimmysfamousseafood.com, put in your order, and on any order over $125, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items, you can get free two-day nationwide shipping by using the promo code WrestleBiz. And what am I talking about? This is the best stuff in the world. Maryland crab cakes, soups, chowders, oysters, signature steaks, desserts, gluten-free items. If you want to pick and choose, you can do that. If you want to pick their packages, well, they've got some fantastic ones, uh, including four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, two different crab soups, crab dip, seafood seasoning and their signature bay sauce or even the tailgate bundle the nfl playoffs the postseason getting underway eric two pounds of wings full rack of ribs pint of crab dip crab cake mix you can create your own package i know you got that rec tech there maybe fire it up get those ribs on there not too shabby right good 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 package deal there good package deal and i'll tell you what if you want to be hit man in your neighborhood not be a hit man like in a mafia hit man but i mean if you want to be a hit man in your neighborhood and yeah order yourself a bunch of jimmy's famous seafood have some neighbors over throw that stuff on a table and people will be people will be writing stories about you in the local newspaper jimmy's famous seafood.com use that promo code wrestlebiz again you get free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over 125 dollars or more I've had family members take advantage of this deal. It was absolutely fantastic. I even got to get in on some of the fun, which always benefits me in a good way. So WrestleBiz, W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z. Just plug that code in at jimmysfamousseafood.com and take care of yourself. Eat good. I promise you, it will be worth your time. And we thank Jimmy's Famous Seafood for sponsoring Strictly Business every single week. Now, Raj, uh, you maintained ownership over Wrestling Inc. for a very long period of time. We're talking 25 years here. Mm-hmm. How did you adapt the business model as the field became more saturated? I don't necessarily mean from an editorial standpoint, but from a business standpoint. Uh, well, a lot of it was, and there was actually a, like a four-month period where I, I got so busy with Indian dating that I took Wrestling Inc. offline. I was like, I just can't do both anymore. And I'm so glad I brought it back because I was like, man, I, I, it was so fun. I'm just missing it. I, I need to have this back. So I, so I brought it back. Um, so over the years, you know, it, it's staying on top of trends. And this is what I do with whether it's stock market or investing or, or, or whatever it is is looking at the trends, looking at what where people are going, what they're doing. Uh, you know, at least once a year, I'm looking at the design of the site and I'm like, should should this change? What should change? You know, uh, should we do a complete overhaul and just just really staying on top? And then also, you know, making adjustments as times change. You know, in the 90, late 90s, websites were so crude and, and the writing, uh, it didn't have to be, you know, a top-notch, and, uh, and, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff was way more forgivable back then and just having to always adjust and, you know, uh, wrestling, Inc., you know, we, we have broken a lot of stories over the years. We, we do tons of exclusive interviews, but we are also admittedly an aggregator site and just making sure 
at anyone, any news we're using from another source from, you know, whether it's uh, Mike Johnson or, 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 or Fightful or, or whoever else that, first of all, it's from a credible source. And also it's something that if it's anything controversial that the writers know that we can't just post that we do have to follow up and, and just contact AEW or WWE and just be like, uh, you know, is there any comment that you have? So we can also include that, um, you know, with, with those stories. So it, it's just always that keeping up with the times, keeping up with, uh, you know, how, how internet journalism works and, uh, and making those adjustments. There mm-hmm. were a period of time that you can remember business-wise where Wrestling Inc. really started to peak. Would, did that correlate with anything happening in the wrestling industry in particular? You know what? It, it, we grew year over year. I mean, you know, when I sold last year to Static Media, that was our biggest year ever. Revenue-wise, by wow. far, it was the biggest, uh, it was the best we've ever done. Uh, Traffic-wise, we, we just grew every single year. And I think it was just more and more and more of the the wrestling audience was now following it on the internet. You know, in the late 90s, you probably had a small percentage. And, and again, you know, when I think of like Ultimate Warrior appearing on Nitro, you saw the signs in the crowd. So people, there were people starting to follow wrestling on the internet. And it was, you know, not a huge amount, but enough that people kind of anticipated that. They had, you know, people had signs in the crowd and, and they knew it was a, a small percentage, but there were people that knew it was coming. And now everyone knows, you know, when um, when CM Punk was coming back last year. I mean, that was it sold out because of the internet and, and everyone knowing. So um, the, the number of the percentage of wrestling fans that now following the internet, is just, it's just really high. And that, that helped our business year after year. You mentioned the sale to static media. Mm-hmm. That feels like something that's been happening with a lot of wrestling websites in recent years. WrestleZone, which was an institution in its own right, was sold to Mandatory. Now Wrestling Inc., another institution, is sold to Static Media. Why do you think there's interest in these wrestling websites for these bigger companies? Uh, well, uh, profitable. We've, uh, we've been profitable every year in, you know, since 2000, 2001. Um, and it's just something that it's year round, right? Like football, you're, you're, you're following it from really, you're following it from like September to January Basque, you know, everything has their seasons. UFC, you have, you know, your peaks and valleys. Conor McGregor is not fighting every month or every other month. Your big stars is it's rare that you have those huge fights. So it's, you know, most of the year it's these fights that aren't as big and, um, and, and you just don't have the same amount of interest year round. Whereas with wrestling pretty much year round, there's something going on. It, it's just the traffic, obviously it peaks, um, you know, late spring, early summer with WrestleMania and everything, but uh, it's, it's, it's just consistent year round. And um, it, it's got a, uh, a very loyal fan base that they're not just coming in here and there. They're, they're going every day. I mean, the amount of, return visitors that we have on wrestling Inc. is just, you know, it's insane. I think uh, any other genre would love to have that, you know, with movie websites and things like that. Again, it's when a big movie is coming out that people are really going, whereas wrestling is just, obviously there's going to be more interest when something big happens, but still when nothing big is happening, you're still getting that consistent traffic. 
and that, that consistent so, ad revenue. What's so cool about this conversation is it it, it, it it parallels, again, the reasons why people like Comcast and Fox and Disney and anybody else would be interested in this content because it is consistent. It has that loyal fan base. It's 52 weeks a year, and there's very little else you can put on your network that does. That's right. where the value is, and it's, it's just fun to hear this, man. It's like... This, the same principles are true with with regard to your wrestling website and that you're able your ability to sell it, your profitability from day one, for the same exact reasons that we're seeing seven or eight major conglomerates looking at WWE. It's the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And one, one thing I'd like to ask you, Eric, because one thing with the media rights negotiations that, that's not talked about a lot, because you hear people talking about eighteen to forty nine, the the rating, but that rating doesn't always translate to ad rates. You know, it came out last year when you're looking at ad rates that Young Rock had much higher ad rates than SmackDown, even though SmackDown blows it away in eighteen to forty nine and in total viewers. And it's just that wrestling has always had that handicap, even though WWE has done a great job turning it around, making it more advertiser friendly. But that 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 handicap of not being able to get the same ad rates for similar ratings as other scripted programming or other sports, a, a 0.40 in wrestling is not the same as a 0.4 and, 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 it, and it, with the NHL, they're going to get much higher ad rates. And just what kind of gap did you see uh, when you were in charge of WCW with those kind of ad rates where you're, you're destroying other shows, but they're getting higher ad rates. It was a, it was a big problem. And it was one of the things that I wanted to attack early on because advertising drives the business. It still does mm-hmm. to this day. People don't want to admit it. You know, they want to kind of downplay television because, you know, tell, you know, cable television is losing audience probably five, six, 7% a year because of streaming and everything else. But, you cannot have a successful wrestling company without television today. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe 10 years from now, you can, I don't know. We'll see what streaming looks like and what entertainment looks like then. But as of today, if you took television away from WWE or AEW, they would last five minutes as a business, right. the, the business that we recognize. So television and advertising has always driven the business. But if you look at the evolution of television on wrestling, you go to the sixties, the seventies, even into the eighties, you're, through the 80s, syndication was a big part of the business model, right? And those syndication deals were typically barter deals. So if I was selling syndication, as I did for AWA, that's why I started the business. I would go to a local television station, convince them, beg them, plead with them, whatever, to you know slip a one-hour wrestling show into their Saturday morning, Sunday morning lineup. And the deal would always be, okay, we'll give you the show. It's not going to cost you a nickel. You don't have to give us anything. We'll even pay for shipping, which we did. Um, We'll provide you the show. We want to retain two minutes of advertising. And that two minutes of advertising was for um, local promotion in the event that we were going to promote live events there. The television network would often take that show because it got a rating and they would use it to fulfill commitments to advertisers like Eminem Mars, for example. Um, because they were bottom feeders. They were opportunistic buyers. They weren't buying a wrestling audience. They weren't buying a baseball audience. They weren't buying a movie audience. They were buying a set of eyeballs. They didn't care where the eyeballs came from. They didn't how old how old they were, whether they were males or females. They didn't care, just eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And as a result of, of, of buying eyeballs, they were able to buy at probably at $3 cost per thousand, as opposed to someone who wanted to buy specifically in your show 
or six or eight dollars a thousand. Same thing was true in cable. Now, syndication kind of became less of an issue, even in WWE. Probably in the by the early to mid '90s, the syndication world was just kind of collapsing, uh, and everything was cable. About that time is when I really took over WCW. Now I had had exposure to the ad world business previously because I was in syndication is part of that, but really focusing on trying to get ad sales up and what we could do to increase traditional advertising, not opportunistic buys. But one of the reasons I did the deal with Randy Savage was because of Slim Jim. Slim Jim was a national advertiser. It wasn't an opportunistic bottom feeder like like some were, um, it was a, a fairly attractive, I won't say blue chip advertiser, but one that advertised 52 weeks a year and had a significant budget. And I was, I bent over backwards for Slim Jim, not because I wanted, well, yes, of course I wanted to keep the clients happy. That's part of doing business, but I wanted to, I wanted to make an example out of them in a good way. I wanted to show other potential big ticket advertisers that weren't opportunistic buyers that were paying, if not premium CPMs, mid-level CPMs, because that would dramatically affect WCW's business if I could achieve that. And it took a lot of time because wrestling has a stigma and you're absolutely right, Raj, you know, and it's funny because there's so much chatter about demos today and people correlating, for example, one program's demo and then comparing it to the NHL. That conversation was going on about six months ago or a year ago, eight months ago. And they're two different things because you're so right on the money. An eight, a 0.40 in NHL is the example you, you gave um, is probably worth two and a half times as much as a 0.40 in wrestling. So it's not apples and apples. It's, it is in the eyes of the fans or those people who don't really understand the ad sales market, but wrestling has suffered horribly over the years. And you also pointed out WWE has done a great job of mainstreaming the product. Mm-hmm. You know, wrestling fans complained about how, oh, you know, the, the, the attitude era was better because it was more extreme and, you know, it was more provocative in a lot of different ways. It was targeted towards an 18 to 49 year old audience. The problem with that is, and I've discussed this almost ad nauseum on my podcast and probably here too, occasionally, is uh, 83 weeks, is that you can appeal to the audience and you can satisfy the largest, the most vocal part of your audience that wants to see, you know, a more salacious type of content or even a more violent, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm, I always speak out when I see excessive amounts of blood, because I know that's going to throw wrestling back into that opportunistic buy category as opposed to, yeah, I know, you know, wrestling's wrestling, but man, it's, it's mainstream. And WWE is, I, I, you know, I, I had a hand in it. You know, I did things that attracted motor oil companies and, and things like that. And, and it worked to a degree, but WWE has really taken that to the next level and has gotten at least their ad rates up to the point or to my knowledge, when I was there last, to the point where they're no longer opportunistic buys. They're they're mid-level, and in some cases, even blue-chip level tier one buys. But it's taken, what, 20, 30 years to do that? 
Yeah, and I, 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 and and the reason why I brought it up with with wrestling is, you know, for on Wrestling Inc. Just looking at the advertising rates, and we'd sometimes get the sheets where we're seeing a, a movie campaign running on our site, and then like a, a movie site, a music site, and our CPM would be half, you know, that of of the other sites, and it's like really if we were getting the same CPM still to this day as a, uh, as an entertainment site or a football site, we, you know, we'd be probably triple uh, with the advertising rates. And I'm going to sound like a greedy asshole here because we did great, but uh, wrestling still has that handicap. I mean, I think you still see it. You see battle of the belts now is on Fridays at 11 PM. And if it was doing, if it was garnering great ad rates, it would be on at a better time slot. Rampage would be in a different time slot by now. If it was, uh, getting those big ad rates. So even though we delivered this, you know, it, it, with the websites, even though we're delivering that demo that they're looking for, we weren't getting the same ad rates as a lot of the, uh, the other different genres of websites. And that's one of the reasons why, again, I've been very outspoken. And I, I noticed that you have too, you know, you don't, you're not shy with your opinions, um, which I, I appreciate and respect. Um, but one of the reasons, anytime I see the excessive amount of blood on television and I'm thinking, oh, advertising. And when I bring that stuff up, of course, you know, people that like that, whether it's in WWE or AEW or anywhere else, of course, you know, I'm, you know, they, they, they react negatively to my comments. But you pointed out something really interesting is that if wrestling was commanding decent CPMs, they wouldn't be in fringe time spots. They would not. They'd be in prime time. What's just because right now that they're, they're pro what they probably are right now are make good inventory. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you've sold a blue chip advertiser and you're coming short, you're not delivering what you promised. Okay. In the upfronts, for example, then you've got to do make goods. You've got to get that audience and the demo back to what you, what you guaranteed essentially. Um, and that's where wrestling can become very valuable because there's a big audience there with a decent demo, but it's being used as make goods as opposed to an advertiser coming to you and say, Hey, Mr. TBS, I really want to be on that show on Wednesday night or Hey, Mr. USA, I really, really want to be on raw or SmackDown. It's still an uphill battle. What's just mm -hmm. so fascinating about that is based on how I hear this conversation it's a very fascinating conversation. The disparity is in the optic, right? You, you mentioned the, the 0 0.40 doesn't mean the same thing for each one. And the optic in wrestling, well, it's this low-grade entertainment where people are getting beat up and all this stuff. Well, what is the biggest spaceship right now in sports advertising? The NFL. Football is a gladiator sport. Football is an inherently extremely violent sport. Look what just happened with DeMar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills. A, a man nearly died on the field. Uh, the NHL is an incredibly violent sport. So why from an advertising perspective is, and this is me genuinely asking here, why is there a difference in that sense? Well, well, I, I think, um, I think also, yeah, you know, I think a lot of just the, the audience is, is different. Um, is it because one's fake and one's real? I, I mean, I, I think you just, once you look NFL, there's just nothing that's going to touch that. It's just such a broad, um, but you know there there's a reason i mean um is a wrestling fan that is a hardcore wrestling fan spending as much on these products as say an nf an nfl fan um sure. you're not going to advertise a rolls royce or a buick on a wrestling show um and and you know look golf doesn't get any outside of the masters and things like that you're not, they're not getting anywhere near the ratings 
uh, wrestling. But they have Rolex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah, BMW. Uh, you know, I watch CNBC. These shows aren't getting anywhere near the the uh, the ratings of WWE, but you see private jet commercials and things like that. So. Again, it's optic. And and that's mm. just so fascinating to me because I want to turn that then into your sales. Let me, let me, let me, let me hit you there, John, before you go there. I think another reason, and there's more than one reason, I think part of it is our culture. You know, we've grown up as a culture of embracing sports, you know, football long before, you know, we started talking about concussion protocols and CTE and the issues that we've seen most recently, for example. Um, back then, it was just wrestling's just a sport. Baseball's just a sport. Boxing, you know, what's more inherently violent than two guys beating the hell out of each other trying to knock each other out? But we've accepted that as a culture, and now it is a sport, and it's categorized as a sport with advertisers and, and everybody else. Wrestling is like what? It's not a sport. You can call it a sport if it makes you feel good. You can call it a sport if you're trying to sell it as one to an advertiser who doesn't really think about it too much. But at the end of the day, it's, it's scripted entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's not a sport. It, it's like trying to, you know, somebody comes up to you at a grocery store and says, hey, can I get a dozen apples? And you say, well, look, I'm out of apples, but I got some bananas here. It's the same thing. Just have some bananas. No, it's not. Apples, bananas, sports, and wrestling. But wrestling as a non-scripted sport is like, it's not fish and it's not foul. From an advertising agency point of view, from an advertiser's point of view, who uses an advertising agency, hey, Mr. Client, what are you interested in? Well, I'm interested in sports. Okay, here's how much that costs. Ooh, can't afford that. What else are you interested? I like comedies. Okay, we've got these comedies. Okay, I can afford that. Wrestling is like what? What category do you put wrestling in? It's not a sport, despite however much Kool-Aid you want to drink, whatever color it is, purple being your probably favorite choice, if you believe that. Wrestling is not a sport. It's not a comedy, although it can be. Oh, by the way, and it is kind of a sport because it's very athletic but it's not a sport. You can't bet on it. Yeah. You, it's not a comedy, although it can sometimes be funny, like Dominic Mysterio talking about Martha Stewart. I just love that. I think that's comical. <laughs> I think it's probably going to get Dominic more over than anything else they could possibly do with him because he looks like he's 12. I don't care if his last name is Mysterio. He looks like he's 12. He should have a paper route. That's the way he looks. I'm not taking any, anything away from what he's able to do. But as a character, that's a fun character. So it's kind of a comedy, but it's really not. There's a lot of drama in wrestling well, right now, more outside of the ring than inside of the ring. There's some drama in wrestling. Of course there is, but it's not a drama. So if it's not a sport, it's not a sitcom, it's not a drama, and it's not news, what is it? And that's where people that sell advertising, if you work for Turner or you work for USA or you work for Fox in the ad sales department, that is the commentary. That is the conversation you're having every single day as you walk up and down Madison Avenue trying to sell your wares. What is it? It's not. Eh. And people inherently resist what they don't understand. They don't know why people like watching wrestling. It's foreign to them. It's like watching, you know, a, a, a Chinese sitcom. What is, I don't get it. Of course you don't, because you're not a fan of it, despite the fact that there's 8 million people that watch it every week or whatever. But the fact that it doesn't fit into a nice little box is also a big problem. It is, it is the 
it is a strange thing because you know when when people be like uh you know if, if a wrestler says something something controversial they're like well so in movies they do that and it's like well that's different you can't have john cena saying something controversial because that's his real name that's attached to it you don't have robert downey jr doing uh appearances as as you know uh what's his name robert, robert starker Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and similarly, when Roman Reigns is out there, no one is calling him Joe Anawaii. Uh, they're calling him Roman Reigns. Uh, they're glued to their wrestling characters, unlike any other form of entertainment. And uh, it, wrestling is just a fascinating thing. I remember I'd sit on these, uh, you'd go to these press conferences, like New Japan would have these press conferences afterwards, or when I do impact um, conference calls. And you're getting all these questions where they're asking questions like it's real. Like, oh, that was a tough match. How do you, how do you recover from a match? You know, or how do you beat someone like this? And <laughs> it's just such a bizarre thing, you know? <laughs> like, you're sitting there. You're like, what is this? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. It's weird, isn't it? it? I mean, and I do it too, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty as charged. Because yeah. you, you slip. I even do it on the podcast. You know, I'll slip and sometimes it's subconscious. Sometimes I do it on purpose, but oftentimes it's really subconscious where I'm slipping in and out of character, you know, in one <laughs> conversation on 83 weeks with Conrad, you know, I'm straight up business like we are now. And then we'll get into something that's not straight up business. And I'm, I find myself becoming that character again. And it, it's insidious and it does exist 24 hours a day. It's probably one of the reasons why people, certain people to be renamed, to remain unnamed, have a hard time separating their real life character from that guy in the ring because you end up living it 24 hours a day, whether you want to or not. So Raj, as far as your sale is concerned, then those stigmas that we just talked about, do you think that had any effect on potential suitors or where you would be able to take your sale when you wanted to do it? Because I know static media firsthand they have a lot of entertainment properties they have video game properties they have film and media and television properties uh, I, i'm curious if that had any effect on where you would take your business there no no uh, you know I, I like i mentioned i've had other sites fightline.com which was an mma site i started in the mid-2000s indian dating and i sold those and the companies that bought it i mean is it okay to use to cuss on this Sure. All right. Fuck yeah. They didn't, Come on. They didn't, do, they didn't do jack shit with those. And and they just went downhill. And it sucks seeing something you created from scratch, your baby. And then it just dies out. And so when static media, I, I had other offers. Um, you know, last year I was like, man, it's 25 years. I'm spending more hours than ever. You know, I'm I'm up at 3 a.m. double checking my phone, making sure everything is running fine. There's no big news. Uh, and, and you know, I got two daughters, they're, they're becoming teenagers. I'm like, I just can't. I've just burnt the candle on both ends. So um, I just can't do this anymore. So I'm, I'm opening it up to a sale and static. I saw what they've done with their other sites. They've all grown, uh, you know, slash film looper. They have, they own a bunch of other entertainment sites and, and I knew it would be in good hands and, and they've done a fantastic job. And uh, you know, that was a, that was a huge part of my decision. And as far as the, the wrestling stigma, I, I don't, think it affected um, the suitors that I had, but it did, you know, again, like we were talking with Eric, you know, with the CPMs and things like that, it does affect the sale price. Cause if I was getting higher, C you know, if wrestling Inc was getting higher CPMs, the sale price would have been higher, but it is what it is. Again, it's, 
I had a, you know, I can't complain. Uh, it, it worked out fantastic, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's just, it's just that thing with wrestling that uh, that it always kind of there's always something kind of holding it back. And and you know, we're talking about we're in a media rights you know uh, negotiation here with AEW and WWE, and AEW we don't know what kind of ad rates they're getting. That's not public information like the SmackDown one was, and um, the fact you know with AEW I'm, they get really great ratings in the demo for their night but you know time, uh, warner brothers discovery didn't bring on roh uh they didn't bring on roh tv and if they were getting decent ad rates you would think they would have made some sort of deal so i'm cautiously optimistic um and just using my own personal experience and seeing the despair you know the the difference in ad rates between wrestling and when I, when I saw IGN getting or other entertainment sites getting uh, I'm always cautiously optimistic, but I, I do know the realities of, of what that is. And you're the, you're the first person I've heard express that. And I think you're, you're right again, right on the money because as everybody, you know, I'm not going to name names cause I don't like always picking on people, but there are certain pretty high profile people in the internet universe that cover wrestling um, one in particular that is constantly talking about ratings and demographics and things like that and potential um, media rights deals and upsides and things. And Meltzer does it as well. But what none of them know and none of them are talking about, and I'm not even sure they're factoring it into their narrative, is that if you don't know how well TBS is doing with their ad set, if they're struggling to sell AEW, for example, or Dynamite, um, because every advertiser out there that wants wrestling has the cream of the crop on Raw or SmackDown. If, if those ad rates aren't there, it doesn't matter how great the matches are. It doesn't matter even if you've got, you know, a million viewers a week and you're the number three show in cable that night. It doesn't matter if you can't sell it. If, if that's Absolutely. the only thing that matters is the ad sales and the success or lack thereof. And if anybody that's covering this on a daily basis that likes to get into the weeds and really sound or, you know, attempt to, to dig into this, somebody needs to dig into that. Because without that piece of the puzzle, any projection or prediction about what's going to happen with AEW and their rights is a wild-ass guess at best. Now, the one thing I will say, Raj, like you, I'm optimistic for AEW. Again, I have no idea. There are a lot of things that suggest to me it's probably not a great franchise for them. But the one thing that suggests that it is, is they were, at least up until recently, maybe they still are, they're, they're apparently looking for bumper programming. They're looking for a lead in and they're looking for a lead out with Dana White's slap league or whatever that's called. That at least indicates to me that they want to try to build on the franchise. And mm -hmm. that's a glimmer of hope for me if I was an AEW. Yeah. Yeah. The positives are they do very well on their nights. Uh, the negatives are right now ad rates are down across the board. You see why Google stock is so far down because YouTube ad rates are, are anyone with a YouTube channel. They see the difference in, you know, their CPMs from where they were two years ago. Um, and Apple, you know, all these media companies, they're hurting right now and with with ad sales and they're, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery. They've slashed their ad sales team. Um so it's just it's just a very uncertain time uh, this year, and um, but again, their ratings are strong, but ad sales are you know ad sales are down across the board with everything. So it, it'll why, be why do you, it'll you be know what's really weird, Raj, is you're right. Ad sales are down across the board for everybody. Mm -hmm. 
But I wonder why, because the economy, consumer spending, it's not like, you know, consumers are now sitting on all their cash and afraid to spend any money. They're spending more money than ever, or at least as much as they ever have. You know, consumer spending is, is, is what it is. The stock market is what it is. It's not suffering. We're not, you know, in so many respects, we're re- I, technically, we may be bordering on a recession or in one, depending on who you want to believe, but it doesn't seem to affect consumer spending. Why is it affected ad rates? Well, I think a lot of it is the companies themselves, the companies themselves, you, you got Amazon, Google, um, you know, all these giant media companies, Netflix, that, uh, that their stock has just dropped tremendously over the past year, Apple. And uh, so they're trying to cut back costs. And, and one of the areas where it's easy to cut back costs is advertising. So they're mm. not going out there and advertising and, and spending. And, you know, with so much in tech, Tesla, I, I mean, Tesla didn't really advertise anyway, but um the, you know, all these giant media conglomerates, that's the first thing they cut down. And, and when you do that, that just affects the whole market as, as a whole. Especially if they're a brand name too, that is almost self-sustainable like an Apple. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really not and Google, you know, and Google as well. Right. Um, Raj, you did a great job with Wrestling Inc. Any website that gets Eric Bischoff checking it every day, I'd say you're doing pretty successful in the wrestling realm. So, and you know what else you did, Raj, that, there's another site that I follow. I wish they would do it. Um, I'll, I'll have this conversation with them privately. But your mobile app, you know, your 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 regular site and your mobile interface are seamless, mm-hmm. and, and they're very user friendly. And you're not getting bombarded with ads while you're in the middle of a story and things like that. So great job on that too, because that's you know that's something that uh, is a pretty advanced decision early on to to really focus on that mobile app because back when you first started this people were like oh who needs to worry about a mobile app right <laughs> you know every 75 percent of the people that you know are on the computer or on their desktop or their laptop well that's flipped now last mm-hmm. i checked about four years ago it's exactly the opposite where 70 percent right. of the traffic comes from mobile and a smaller percentage comes from traditional you know, laptops or desktops yeah, I mean, that's been my thing from day one. If if I find something on the site that annoys me personally, I don't care how much money it's bringing in. I'm, I'm nixing it. You know, if there's two ads jumping out, that's it. You know, it's got to go. It's, it cuts our revenue. But I, if I can't stand it, it's gone. And so before I, we, I, I'm always I can, trying to make the site. I can tell that, that John is about trying to wrap this up. So before we go, in case I forget, what's the best Indian restaurant in Denver? Hmm. There's a new one that opened up that we just started going into uh, called Coriander. And I heard, uh, I listen to your podcast all the time. I heard the one you mentioned in Las Vegas. So I'll have to check that out. We're going to Vegas here. Here's the deal. Well, first of all, you're probably much more of a connoisseur of good Indian food than I am because I don't have a lot of options where I live. (laughs) Although, you know, what's really cool. There's a bar here and I don't know if anybody's in a hurry, but I'm having fun. So there's a, a bar and restaurant here in town called Trailhead. And they have great food. You know, for Cody, it's like some of the best food they've ever had. Really, they've got a great chef and high-quality food and all that. And there's a, a bartender there. His name is Dershan. His family is Indian. And ironically, they live in Wyoming, on the eastern side of Wyoming. They own hotels, motels, and things like that. Dershan moved. He's a young man, about 25 years old, super guy. And we got to talk, and I, you know, I, I had to ask him about Indian food because I, I want to know, right? And we're talking about Indian food. And he came over to my house. He and another bartender friend came over to my house and prepared butter chicken wow. uh, for us. I mean, like in my, I mean, they made everything. It was just butter chicken. I mean, they had naan and they made everything in my house. My wife, I just sit back, had a glass of wine. 
And I talked him into doing that here in Wyoming because there were a lot of people that would love to have, a, a, you know, a, for people in Wyoming, an exotic meal prepared by somebody that's really, really good. And Deshaun grew up cooking. So yeah, Indian food is a, is, is a passion of mine along with Japanese food. But that place in Las Vegas, you have to go in there with the right expectations. It used to be a pizza hut, right? <laughs> so you can picture the, and they spent a couple bucks remodeling, but they didn't like break the bank. Right. So the minute you walk in, you know, it used to be a pizza hut. Still got the but hut it's on family top. owned and it's, the food is really great. But if you're going for ambiance, don't go there. How is Deshaun's butter chicken? I am now obsessed. I have a butter chicken app on my phone. Like I'm, I'm we're going to do it. I'm not prepared yet to give it a try. Cause no, I don't want to have something that's less than what Dershawn made for me. Sure. And Dershawn called his mom and she sent him some of the ingredients that she uses that actually come from India that you can't buy at Albertsons. Right. So I know I'm not going to measure up. I just want to get close, but I'm not quite there yet. I don't have the guts to try it yet. Cause butter chicken and naan, they're both hard to make at home. Cause butter chicken, you got to marinate the chicken overnight. And then you're supposed to have a tandoori oven with the chicken to get it the right uh, consistency. It's I've tried, I cook Indian food a lot and butter chicken. Uh, that's when I always get at the restaurant cause it's so hard to make at home. It's one of my favorites. It, it blew me away. It blew me away. And you put a little bit of the butter chicken and the gravy on a piece of naan just, Oh, Makes my jaws cramp up just thinking about it. We're gonna have more food talk here on Strictly. Yeah, I know. Well, John, Steve, Eric, next time you guys are in Denver, I'll I'll I'll, I'll treat you guys because there are some good places out here. I like the sound of that. Now, uh, Raj, like I said, you did a great job with wrestling. You have a great editorial team. Nick Houseman does an excellent job uh, as well there. But you also have your own series that you just started up uh, recently, talking about some financial advice for some people. And obviously over the course of this conversation, we've learned you have quite a substantial background and you know what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about practical money and what that's about. Yeah. So me, myself, Jack Farmer, who we did the wrestling Inc. podcast together uh, and uh, it's not financial advice. It's just sharing some of the stuff I've done over the years and over the decades. Cause I've been investing for, you know, over 25 years and, Started with penny stocks, lost everything, you know, and, and uh, you know, just kind of got smarter and smarter with investments and just kind of showing real time what I'm doing. And like uh, we, we just did our last video on index funds and I went and I bought an index fund and I'm buying weekly and I'm showing the returns that that's going to do over the next three years as opposed to doing the hypotheticals. And so, yeah, just stuff like that. You know, the, the end of the year, we talked about tax loss harvesting and, and how to use that to your advantage and, and just in, stuff like that. So yeah, youtube.com slash at practical money. It's something we're just doing for fun. It's not a serious thing. We don't get, we don't make any money on it. It's just, uh, it, just sharing some of the investment tips uh, that have worked for me over the years. Excellent. What's it, what's the site again? So it's youtube.com. It's just a YouTube channel uh, slash at sign practical money. Oh yeah, there it is. So uh, if you take out the stuff at the end, yeah, there it is at practical money. We just started a, a few weeks ago and um and, it, and we try to keep it simple we're not getting into options trading or shorting stocks or anything like that it's just common sense stuff that you know ultimately it beats like 90 percent of hedge fund managers over time so you know definitely check it out what's your take on crypto <laughs> right yeah i always stayed away from that <laughs> i, I, I 
<laughs> if I don't understand it, I, I, I don't get into it. And crypto, it, it, NFTs, uh, those things, I'm not against it. If it works for someone, great. But it it just never made sense to me. And wrestling tried. Wrestling tried with those things and then uh, <laughs> not, did not work out. I hope you didn't buy your WrestleMania John Cena NFT, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I I, it's like you could just screenshot it. I don't get the, the yes. value. <laughs> Rob, this was it. so great, man. Thank you so much for joining us here on Strictly Biz. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Raj Geary. Check out wrestlinginc.com. And yeah, if you uh, if, if you have time, check out Practical Money, youtube.com slash at Practical Money. And uh, it, this was really fun. Thanks for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I mention it all the time on Twitter. I really enjoy what you guys do. So thanks for having Thank me on. You. Eric, Thank and you, Raj. And by the way, I'm going to be in Denver next week. I may hit you up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd, 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 yeah, absolutely. Definitely do. All right, well, I got FOMO now. Fear of missing out. <laughs> and food. This was great stuff. Thank you for tuning in to Strictly Business right here on 83weeks.com. We appreciate all of you. We'll see you next time. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.